Welcome to C-Suite Radio. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Idly hey! Welcome to another episode of the Brett Allen Show. Prepare to be astonished! A pop culture podcast. Join Brett weekly as he interviews your favorite celebrities from film, <gasps> oh, television, I'm back in business, baby. comedy, and much more. Inconceivable! Plus, you never know who will stop by. Dude, we are so gonna party! <laughs> now, here is your host, Brett Allen. Another episode of the Brett Allen Show, uh, and today we have a very special guest. I'm excited. Uh, we're chatting with actor Spencer Garrett, and he just has a large body of work. Uh, you know, I think acting is in your blood because you grew up uh, in that family of the creative arts. But we'll talk about your project right now, Winning Time, um, which is just a great show. I mean, this is so much fun. You play the legendary Chikern. Uh, the voice of the Lakers. Um, thanks for hanging out with us on a Sunday today. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Brett. It's good to be here with you, man. And uh, I'm glad you dig the show. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. We've had a couple cast members on, you know, from the show. Uh, one of the stars, actors that plays uh, the early Paula Abdul uh-huh. um, and just a lot of things. But this is a great project from Adam McKay and his crew. Uh, it's an HBO original, and really, I think, to me, it seems like a love letter to basketball and just a time where life was different. Um, how did you become involved with this? Because it's just, you, you do a great job. It's just, the whole thing is a lot of fun. Thank you. Well, uh, you're going to be seeing a little bit more of Chick starting tonight and then moving forward till, uh, as as the Lakers get more and more into the basketball of it all. Uh, the first year, the first season takes place between 79 and 80 when the Lakers, uh, you know, when they won the championship against Philly. And so um, Chick Hearn on the floor doing his play by play starts to starts to manifest uh, later down the road around episode six, seven, eight, nine, something like that. But uh, I make a I make a memorable appearance tonight. I um I got involved with it. I mean, like every other actor, I, I came in, I went and auditioned and uh I read for Francine Maisler, the great Francine Maisler, casting director, who uh, who I've known for many years, and she brought me in to read. And this was one of those kind of actor aha moments where you get the script or you get the sides and you just go, man, this is a no-brainer. This is so in my wheelhouse. And I just, I prepared the hell out of it. And I watched hours of Chick Hearn 
watched hours of Laker basketball from the 70s just to get his voice and his mannerisms uh, and his essence kind of in my body. That sounds very actory, sorry, but. Uh, no, I love it. That's great. You know, I mean, and you I went in, that. I mean, I, I, I found a, a plaid polyester suit with a wide tie and uh, did my hair a certain way. And I went in and I just tried to bring bring the hern as Max Bornstein, our boss says. <laughs> um, it was, uh, I think it was something like, 12 pages of me just talking nonstop doing the play by play. Um, so that was a lot the audition was a lot of fun. I love auditioning. I don't know how many actors say that, but I actually love, <laughs> I love being in the room. I love being able to kind of show my wares and um, it was a good audition. And I found out probably the waiting as Tom Petty said is indeed the hardest part. And I waited about six, seven weeks, something like that. And I got a call. I was, overseas uh in france uh at a wedding and i got a um i got a call from my agent at four o'clock in the morning uh and uh, i i I looked at it i said i i'm it's 4 a.m here i gotta go to sleep and uh he said you're gonna want to take this call so that's how i found out and um we shot that pilot over two years ago really kind of crazy we shot it in the fall of 2019 and we got picked up to series about six months later. We were getting ready to go start filming in April of 2020. Uh, and then uh, the lovely COVID struck upon us and uh, wow. we shut down for a year. So we went back into production in April of 2021 and we wrapped in October. So it's been a, a really, it's been a long, fun journey. And um, uh, I, I, I think I think all of the work that everybody did from the cast to the crew uh, shows up on screen. The directors, Jonah Hill directed tonight's episode, which is hilarious and fun. And what I love about the show is it just has all of the hallmarks of great Adam McKay. It, yeah. Uh, you know, it's got this, it's got the sense of humor. It's got, it's got, it, it makes you think about race and politics and, gender and all sorts of things. It makes you laugh. Well, it also makes you think at the same time, uh, like his great work does his great recent work. I mean, Anchorman, uh, you check your brain <laughs> at the door, um, but, uh, <laughs> you know, vice and, uh, vice and, uh, don't look up, uh, just great, great stuff. And so just really cool to be a part of Adam McKay's world on this show. Yeah. I mean, he's a legend when it comes to putting these kinds of projects together. It's interesting about the filming schedule you mentioned. I've talked to a few people lately in the sense that it's kind of been the same for them. Like the show Inventing Anna on Netflix. We had a couple cast on that and they're like, when you watch this, I'm like two different people up there. Like there's pre-COVID where we filmed a couple episodes and then a year and a half later after endless nights of drinking and eating, uh, you know, just aimlessly I'm up there and I get the call and they're like, oh, okay, you want me to come back? And we were joking a little bit with the, at Anders home because I was like, so it's different. He's like, yeah, it's like your body just changes, you know, cause you're True. just not doing anything for a long time. True. And then you have to go back and sort of get back into the head, headspace of what you're doing. Um, Interestingly enough, you know, you really do embody this individual chick very well. It's like when you watch it and you're kind of going through all of this, like you don't really think, oh, this is somebody doing an impression or like a caricature of the individual. But you really get the sense of, hey, you know, this person who was is legendary for 
being, uh, you know, a broadcaster and for the voice of the Lakers, you do a great job. So I, you know, I like the actory stuff, as you say, because I, it's interesting because you do stuff that's so different than what most people are familiar with. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you're portraying an individual and you make it believable. And I think that's the wow. earmark of a, of a great performer. Honestly, you know, in my opinion, that's a really, uh, that's a really lovely compliment. I, I appreciate that. Yeah. I mean, you know, cause it's interesting was when you, you've played a lot of different types of characters in your career, uh, comedy drama. Uh, but I think when you're, at least from what I've learned doing this is when you're playing an actual person, is it the same skill set as an actor or do you have to use a different part of your brain because now you're going to be embodying somebody specific versus like a character, say on Chicago PD or Bosch or something like that, you know, all great projects. Um, that's a great question. It really depends on who that, if you're talking about me playing real life people, like people that existed in the world. Yeah. It depends on who that person is. Um, I mean, I played I played Joe McCarthy, uh, Senator Joe McCarthy. Not a great guy. Sean Hannity. <laughs> Sean Hannity. Uh, not a not a not my favorite guy. Uh, but when I played Sean Hannity, you, you have to kind of leave your judgment uh, in the trailer when you go onto the set um, and not. Uh, I mean, it was a little tongue in cheek. It was a little nudge, nudge, wink, wink that that show. And so I I. Personally, I think Sean Hannity's a bit of a cartoon character in a way, um, and an evil one at that. So uh, I had to leave. I had to leave that judgment at at the door and just play him as him, um, and let the audience decide for themselves which 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 version of Sean Hannity I was playing. Uh, <laughs> by all accounts, it. he's a very nice guy. So uh, sure, yeah. Uh, I mean, but I, you know, I, get I mean, it. Bob Woodward in Jason Reitman's The Front Runner a couple of years ago. Uh, got to play Bob Woodward, somebody I respect and admire. And um, it's interesting climbing into the clothes and the shoes of people like this. And you 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 want to make it your own. And at the same time, there's a little bit of a uh, sure there's a bit of an impression that you're doing. Um, Bob Woodward has a very specific voice, a very specific Midwestern accent. I wanted to capture that for Chick. Uh, my gosh, uh, you know, such a specific style of speaking uh, on the court and off the court. Um, such an affable, genial personality, such a great interviewer. There's yeah. a, there's such an ease that he had with the players, uh, with the Laker players and the visiting players from the other teams. When you watch these interviews, he makes everybody feel comfortable. Um, whether he's interviewing Larry Bird, he, it's not an adversarial uh, interviewing relationship. It's very, very conversational and respectful. And his knowledge of the game was just, uh, was just beyond. Um, and that's, uh, that's something that I found in, um, a little bit. Chick Hearn was writing his own autobiography, uh, before he passed. So there are a lot of great anecdotal stories from Jerry West and from magic and various people that knew him from his wife, Marge, uh, his beloved wife, Marge. So, I got little nuggets. I got little snippets to sort of cull from between uh, between Chick's book, between Jeff Perlman's great Showtime book that the show is based on, yeah, um, and tried to piece together uh, a, a sort of form a, an impression of Chick um, that I could make my own in a way, put my own spin on it. But at the same time, there's nothing like hearing Chick Hearn say at the end of a basketball game, 
you know, the lights are out, the door is closed, the butter's getting hard, the eggs are cool, and the jello's jiggling. There's only one way you can say that, and I had to say that as Chick Hearn, like Chick Hearn. Um, and what a what a thrill to be able to get to say that for the first time. So all of his chickisms, and there were hundreds of them. So. Yeah, yeah. I've just, again, heard lots of stories, which, again, is part of this that I find so interesting, is the amount of research that goes into creating these characters, you know, you know, whether you're a Tom Hanks is one that comes to mind who's really known for playing really big, you know, substantial people, um, you know, and really just not doing a character of it unless it's a comedy and it's meant to be lampooning that individual. But I mean, past that, I think it's great. Um, People are going to love this if they have not seen it yet. Again, I've had the opportunity to watch most of the episodes so far and it's a lot of fun. Yeah. You know, it's just really good. And um, it's an HBO original. So people know that. uh, And, uh, not HBO Max, like it might be on there, but this is an old school HBO. Yeah. Um, for those of us who are of a certain generation, um, it's just fun, you know. And I remember seeing advertisements for this when it first came out. It's interesting because you're also introducing people who might not know about this time frame or this period in history to sort of the beginning of the dynasty of the Lakers. There's a whole generation that doesn't know who... No clue. You know, they think Phil Johnson, that's kind of their point of reference. Um, And maybe before that, a little bit, but really, you know, from Phil on, sort of the Kobe's and the... Phil Jackson, you mean? Phil Jackson, yeah. 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 Who did I say? Yeah, Phil Jackson. Well, you got Magic Magic Johnson, Phil Jackson. Um, But there's a a generation of people that don't know who Chick was, who don't know... I mean, Norm Nixon is a major player in the show. Yeah. And, and uh, Delante D'Souza, wonderful actor, theater actor out of Baltimore who put himself on tape and and suddenly is thrust into this HBO world playing Michael Cooper. Not It's a name not a lot of people know, but uh, yeah. my generation growing up in L.A. and going to Laker games, my, you know, Coop was amazing to watch. Um, all yeah. of those guys, you know, Worthy and Byron, Byron Scott. So there's a, a whole era of basketball from the 70s, late 70s, early 80s, that people watching this show now and seeing even seeing the grainy film stock that that uh, that we shoot with. It has that VHS uh, Very quality, so. Super 8. It really takes you back in in, in time in, in such an evocative and wonderful way. Um, and I hope people appreciate it. it the, the look of it is so specific and so great. And again, so Adam McKay. Um, yeah. the way he plays with the film stock and uh, takes you back in time. It's really, it's really extraordinary. It's fun to watch. I mean, I, as a basketball fan myself, even if, even if I wasn't in the show, I would be, I would be so enthralled by it. Cause I, I just love that era. And it's also, also as a Laker fan now, seeing how they're playing this year, not a great, not a great season. <laughs> I was going to uh, say, yeah. yeah, it's rough. I mean, I actually went to the game the other night and I saw I saw that on Instagram. Oh, yeah, man, I saw LeBron drop 50 points and it was just incredible. I thought, God, where where have these guys been? Um, but they've had yeah. a rough season. So when you watch when you watch winning time now and see it makes you nostalgic for a, a really magnificent era in basketball when they were seemingly seemingly winning all the time. Um, yeah. So yeah it, it's hopefully it'll make Laker fans feel good about this crappy season. Yeah, well, as a diehard Warriors fan here in the Bay, I I get it, you know what I'm saying? Like I've been to games and I'm like where are these guys at? You know, yeah. like um 
Very interesting. Well, I in conversations I have with actors, uh, I always like to sort of find out your background as a storyteller and as an actor. But I mean, for you, and and this could be wrong, but you're you grew up in a family uh, of entertainment, right? That and your mom is is very well known as a performer. Um, so was acting for you, or Kathleen Nolan, for people who don't know, was acting for you pretty much like a given did you grow up with her going to not, sets and things like that not necessarily or was it i mean later I'm, i mean i'm i'm uh i very much did actually yeah i did very much grew up going to the theater as a kid but i'm a third generation actor my grandparents were actors they raised my mom and my aunt on a showboat on the mississippi river called the golden rod that had a theater on it and the yeah the, the showboat went up and down the mississippi river and stopped in little towns and people would come onto the boat and they would do a play and um, so really kind of old school, third generational actor, uh, both my mom and, and my aunt became actors. My, my aunt, Nancy Carroll did a lot of Broadway, uh, and, and some films, my mom went on to do something like 800 television shows and three series. Yeah, a lot. <laughs> um, so, but also growing up surrounded by actors and that kind of up and down roller coaster ride that actors live on. Um, I always say, I mean, we, you know, there were times when we were living high on the hog and there were times when we, we weren't. And so I always say, if I had the sense God gave a donut, I probably would have gone into another line of work knowing, <laughs> knowing what a peripatetic lifestyle it is. Um, but I, I started doing theater in college and even a little bit before that, I went to a performing arts high school in Maine and I just, I got the bug. I got the bug and it was kind of unavoidable, I think, as much as I tried to resist it and think, oh, I sure. should, I'll, I'll get a real job and do what real people do. I got further and further lured into the vortex of, uh, of, of the industry. And once I, once I got my first taste, once I got my first laugh on stage, that was, I was kind of done for. Um, and then I, I moved to New York. I went to theater school and I started auditioning and I started getting things and eventually moved out to LA and, and, started working and I thought, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to have a go at this. So. Yeah. I mean, you've been a part of like so many different projects as an actor. I'm very curious. Was there ever a point in your career, Spencer, where you sort of felt vindicated and you're like, okay, you know, this is really something that I'm supposed to be doing, you know, that kind of gave you that stability. I don't know, maybe for some actors, it, they always feel like it's one thing to the next, you know, not being certain what's going to happen because it's just such a unpredictable career, uh, you know, a lot of the time for a lot of people, maybe a very small percentage who don't feel that way. Or maybe they all do. I don't know. Yeah. I might be assuming. Um, I, it's a great question. I think if you're if you get to a point where you're feeling vindicated and you feel like I've arrived uh, and everything's going to be clover from here on out, then you're fooling yourself. Yeah, um, I've had plenty of moments where, I mean, I was knocking around for a few years and then in 1996, Air Force One happened. And I think and I was and I was younger and a lot greener then. And I thought, oh, I've arrived. I just did a movie with Harrison Ford and Glenn Close. And and then and then there was a couple of fallow years right after that. Uh, it's an up and down life. So I I got used to and also having grown up with an actor mom and my father was a talent agent. So I knew, I, I know, I know the vagaries of the business. And I think I, I knew early on that, 
um, to not take anything for granted, to not take any successes for granted. And, and there was a great, I saw a great uh, thing on YouTube the other day. It was a round table. Speaking of Tom Hanks to somebody I, I, I admire greatly and I've worked with and um, it was a round table with him and uh, Shia LaBeouf and several actors. And he was saying, and, and, and De Niro, uh, and he said, if you get to the point where you feel like everything's going great and, and you're right where you want to be and you're in the pocket with your career and everything is just swimming along, just remember this too shall pass. <laughs> if you're yes. if you're if you're feeling down in the dumps and nothing's going right and everything is just crap and you want to give up, remember this too shall pass. It's it's a it's cyclical, right? I mean, it's uh, so I try to be I try to be that kind of philosophical about it if I can. I wish I was as wise as Tom Hanks because I've gotten I've beaten myself up several times over the years about oh gosh I'm having a I'm having a lousy year, and then you never know out of the blue. Uh, you get an audition for a Quentin Tarantino film, and wow, it, it, literally out of the blue. And uh, that was something I didn't hear about for six, seven months after I'd read for that one scene in that film. And it was like, it was like I, I I hadn't been around for thirty years, and all of a sudden I just showed up overnight in that one scene. So uh, it, it's uh, it's a weird business, and it's a really fun business, but you can't take it too seriously and, and, and not to take yourself too seriously. Yeah. I've heard that quite a bit. It's interesting, you know, because I think the nor most people outside of this um, sort of have a myopic view of what you do and they see the, you being on screen and having these long arcs on television shows in working consistently. And they equate that with, Oh, wow. You know, this must be a very lavish lifestyle, no stress, Life is great. And then yeah. you have stories like this where you might not get a job for a while or you might audition and you don't hear back for several months. It's like going to a job interview and not ever knowing um, whether or not uh, you got the job or yeah. not. Because, but you've, I mean, you've, again, just looking back at everything, you've done so many great projects as a working actor and really it's had a solid career, in my opinion. Um, one last question, you know, again, having done this so much and just had a lot of interactions, was there ever a piece of advice that you were given, just generally speaking, maybe not about acting, that has sort of sustained you and kept you going, that kind of motivates you uh, throughout the trajectory of your career? I mean, it sounds it sounds trite at this point, but uh, it's that old Churchillian expression, if you're, if you're going through hell, keep going. Yeah. Um, if, uh, if you think it's not going well, you got to just keep forging ahead because you never know what's around the corner. Um, again, that, I mean, that sounds, that sounds corny, but for me, uh, in 2007, during the writer's strike, I'd been, I'd been working consistently for 20 odd years. And then the writers went on strike for four or five months. And yeah, I was, I, I was carrying a picket sign with my fellow writer friends outside Paramount Studios uh, in solidarity with my union writer brothers. And, uh, and I thought, God damn, I gotta, I gotta get a job. I mean, the town is shut down. Um, I was just, I'm a, a journeyman character actor going from gig to gig. So I went back and I worked in a restaurant for four months, um, which was sort of humbling and interesting and also quite fun. And right in the middle of that, I got a movie called public enemies and that yeah. put me kind of, 
back in the ball game again. So um, I had learned at that point by 2007, just just keep going because you never know. You never know what's around the corner. Keep learning, keep studying, keep trying to grow, um, keep establishing contacts with people, uh, be in a world of actors and creators and writers and directors that that lift you up and try to lift your fellow actors up Um, because it is a it is a community Uh, it's very much I I find coming out of the theater it's very much of a a community so we try to support each other so my advice is just just keep going just keep going and and sometimes you sometimes you hit uh, sometimes you hit pay dirt but you never know when it's going to happen yeah I love it well everybody watching and listening please be sure to watch winning time an HBO original uh, with our guest Spencer Garrett, who plays the iconic Chick Hearn and all the other uh, fantastic work he's done. Uh, Spencer, thanks for hanging out Thank with you, us today Brett. on a Sunday. Appreciate it. Thank you, man. That brings today's show to a close. Goodly do. Thanks for stopping by. If you enjoyed the episode, feel free to share it with a friend and subscribe. It's absolutely free. The views and opinions of the guests do not necessarily reflect those of the host. Autobots, roll out. Go home.